Are all people equal? Think about it. Think about it before you answer. Are all people equal? Because here's the thing. Here's a mistake we all make. I make it too. We're Americans. Americans do have a unique culture. No matter what you've been taught, we have a unique culture. Part of that culture is rooted in Judeo-Christian values. You believe what you want. I'm not your pastor or your dad, but part of Judeo-Christian values is, well, you know, God loves everybody the same, right? So, yeah, I mean, eyes of God and all that, of course, but are people equal? Am I equal to you? Are you equal to me? No, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Everybody's different. In societies, different people have different levels of influence on that society. That's just the fact. The truth is, uh, I'm not as in charge of policy as Joe Biden is. I'm not equal to Joe Biden. He's the president of the United States. I do TV and radio for a living. Yeah, I have some influence, not as much as Joe Biden. You see what I mean? People in this society aren't equal. And to think like that is stupidity, and it handicaps our side. Are you equal to the local police chief as far as what laws will be enforced and which ones aren't? Of course you're not. No, of course you're not. What am I saying? Well, let's pause on that for just one moment. Keep that thought in your head while I take a bit of a sidetrack and ask you something. Let's say I have kids. I do. Got two of them, two sons. Rotten to the core, but I have two sons. Let's say I spend 18 years trying to raise them and be a good dad, which I'm not, of course, but trying to raise them. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. Here's how you manage your money. Here's how you treat women. Here, hold doors open for old people. Here's how you drive. Here's how you shoot. Here's a... What if I spent 18 years raising my sons and I raise them with the values I want? And then right across the way, there's a village. And in this village, I know the people there, they hate me. They hate my values. They hate everything I stand for. They, they're completely opposite of me in every way. And in fact, they want me destroyed. And there's something unique about this village, though. I can send them $50,000, $100,000. They're asking for it. They're saying, Jesse, send me $100,000, and I'll teach your son for four or five years. Just send me your son. Should I do that? I know you're laughing, rolling your eyes. No, that's the stupidest thing in the world. Then why are you sending your kids to Yale? Why are you sending your kids to Harvard? Why are you sending your kids to school? And I want to ask you this because I want you to think about it. You don't have to answer. You don't have to email me. You're welcome to. But I want you to think about this long and hard. If you're still raising your kids, little Billy, got to go to college. Sarah, make sure you go to college. If you're raising your kids with that mentality that you have to go to college, I want you to stop and ask yourself, why? Why do you have to go to college? Who decided that was a guarantee? I know plenty of rich people, plenty of poor people. Most of the richest people I know don't have a college degree. I know plenty of college people who are idiots. Okay, so why? Well, that, that, that's, what, that's what you have to do. Okay, why? This is what we must break in America. We must break this tradition. You and I were raised to go to college. I was raised the same way, right? Got to go to college. Why? Have you seen these universities? It's like sending your child off to that village 
to be raised and nurtured by people who hate you and hate your values and everything you stand for. So again, let me ask, why are you sending your kid there? Now back to what I said at the very beginning about people being equal. Let's circle back to that real quick before I go into all this here. People aren't equal. The people who run our cultural institutions. And remember, every culture, every nation, whether it be a huge nation, small tribe, it rests on institutions. Think about them, about them like foundation pillars. That's what they are. It's the foundation of any society. And ours has those too. Most cultures share pillars. You have media of some kind. I know you hate them. I know you're probably vomiting at the mention of their name. They're important. That's a cultural pillar education system, which we'll get to in a moment. That's a cultural pillar. Entertainment, that's a cultural pillar. Politicians are a cultural pillar. Justice system, a cultural pillar. Are you seeing what I'm saying? You have pillars society rests on. And the people who usually sit at the top of those pillars, who decide the direction, who decide what that pillar is going to look like, sadly, they come from America's elite universities. And this is the same in any nation. Germany's elite universities will produce the leaders of their cultural institutions. America's the same way, Britain's the same way, China's even the same way. That's generally how that works. What have I said to you a thousand times over it, and I will say it to you again right now, and you're probably gonna believe me by the time we get done with this great show tonight, the greatest thing we could possibly do for the future of America would be to take the top 10 elite American universities, fire everybody on the staff, empty out the buildings, raise the buildings to the ground, urinate on the ashes, and then build a statue to Karl Marx there so everybody knows how evil these institutions are. The truth is, part of the reason America is in such bad shape is our cultural leaders our senators, our CEOs, our athletes, our actors, our media people, these people mostly come from those universities. And what are they learning at these universities? What are you spending $50,000, $100,000 a year to have little Billy learn once you spend all that time raising him? Well, don't, don't take it from me. Take it from this professor at Yale. White people make my blood boil. I have fantasies of unloading a revolver into the head of any white person that got in my way, daring their body, and wiping my bloody hands as I walked away relatively gentlemen. With a bounce in my step, like I did the world a favor. So white people are out of their minds and they had been for a long time. That's Yale. Oh, don't think that was a one-off. Ah, oh, Jesse, you found one nut job. Here's another one we're talking about in terms of reparations for ADOS, we're not talking about a one-time cash out and move on because that's the way that white supremacy and white supremacists will say, well, hey, look, we gave them some money. It's finished. We're talking about a multi-generational project to fix a group that America as a country decided that was going to be on the bottom, was going to build the country and was going to be the garbage disposal for this country. Yale. Yale lecturer. And before I get to this next thing, I want you to understand something. I actually had an email yesterday. I read it on, I read it on my radio show, The Jesse Kelly Show, you can hear nationwide. But I got an email yesterday from somebody who had escaped from Cuba. And one of the best parts about doing this TV and radio for a living is the people I do get to hear from, the people I get to meet out there. This guy just simply said to me, he just poured his soul out to me in this email. And he said, it's happening here. 
I escaped here. I'm so happy to be here. It's the greatest country in the world, and it's happening here. And I'm screaming at the, at the top of my lungs, trying to get people to realize it's happening here, and they're not listening. I'm telling you right now, I have had people from China who escaped China, people who've escaped Cuba. I've had older folks who've escaped the Soviet Union. I've had multiple people reach out to me who've lived under communism, lived under Marxism, and they scream saying, you're teaching your kids the stuff we escaped. What are you doing? What are you? How can you not see it? Listen, look, here's someone who escaped from North Korea. So when I was at school, though, you know, I was excited about like learning about history and you know how the people thought back then. And one of the person at orientation was asking, "Who is like loves Jane Austen and and who reads this classical books?" And I was like. I love those books. I just like thought it was a good thing, right? And then she was like, "Did you know that those writers who had a colonial mindset were racist and bigots wrote that books? So they are uh, subconsciously brainwashing you." And that's like when I realized, "Wow, this is insane!" And like I literally thought, I thought America was that different, and I just saw so much similarity that I saw in North Korea. And I was started worrying about this country. Same thing I saw in North Korea. So, look, we're going to get to a bunch of stuff. We're going to have the most outrageous stories from 2021. We have great guests. We have all these things coming up. But I need you to hear me now because this is hard. Because what we're talking about, what you and I are talking about tonight is breaking tradition. Again, I was raised. Go to college. That's what you do. After high school, you got to go to college. Why are you telling your child that? Is it for your child? Is it because of tradition? Is it because that's what you did and what your parents did or what they told you? Is it, and be honest with yourself, not me, you don't have to tell me. Is this about them or is this about you? You see, I don't live, work, and worship in political circles. I'm in Texas. I'm not in D.C. and New York. I hang around normal people. I prefer to hang around normal people. I do the same things you do on the weekends. I go drink beer, throw horseshoes, grill burgers, swim in the pool. You know what I hear a lot from my neighbor friends? A lot. Ah, did, 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 did Tim get into Yale? Oh, I hope Mark got into Stanford. Well, I don't like to brag, but my kid got into Howard. I hear a lot of bragging from parents. And you know what it tells me? Maybe all this gotta go to college, son. Maybe it's about you and not about them. That village from the very beginning where they're gonna teach your child to hate you because they hate you, that's real. And the greatest scam American communists have ever pulled off is charging upper-middle-class Republican parents tens of thousands of dollars to destroy everything they've spent eight years, 18 years building. I'm not telling you don't go to college. I'm telling you, you better be very, very, very careful if you do. And if you go there, you better be going there with a purpose. The days of, I'm going to go find myself on college. You might as well send your kid to the, to the gorilla enclosure at the zoo. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. We have a great show, great guests tonight. We're going to have a blast. We'll be back.
Every now and then you come across an article that horrifies you while also entertaining you, and I certainly did. Joining me now is Jennifer Cabani. She's the editor with The College Fix. And Jennifer, I just have to applaud you on the most outrageous stories from the past school year. A couple of these stood out to me. I want people to go read the article themselves. Probably my favorite is the UCSB teaching assistant saying he would assassinate Jesus. That didn't work out well last time people tried to do that one and two. The feminist geography professor arguing tall buildings are sexist. We'll get back to the, our Lord and Savior in a moment. Why are tall buildings sexist? Well, I guess they're just so big and intimidating. <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> okay. But All right, who, now, who can uh, understand the mind of these feminists anyway? Try to psychologize it for me. I've tried to unpack this forever, and I know this is a weird question, but I can't figure out whether this is a chicken or the egg thing. I've never met a feminist in my life who was happy. They're all just miserable all the time. Did the misery come first, and that's what made them feminists? Or are they feminists, and that's what made them miserable? You know, it's hard to say. I think they embrace their misery. It's kind of like a little pet that they can have fun with and feed and just be angry at the world. Maybe they didn't have enough fun in high school or college or something. I'm not sure. Um, but let me just say, as a conservative woman, I like tall buildings. I like big buildings. And I, I think she really missed the mark with that one. Uh, all right. We also have something from Cornell here exploring whether the vast blackness of the cosmos is racist. Would you please explain what I just read? Yeah, that's not satire. That is a legitimate class at one of our Ivy League institutions that is trying to determine if black holes are racist. Um, I mean, they are black and um, they're sucking up all the light. So I don't think so, but leave it to the brilliant minds at Cornell to try to just figure that one out. Jennifer, how prevalent is this kind of insanity? Because honestly, obviously, it's fun to read the college fix and, and, and think about how crazy these people are. But these are our elite universities, and that's really my point about tonight's show. The, I mean, the, the people talking about this insanity, there are CEOs in the future, there are senators in the future. How prevalent is this thinking on these campuses? You know, they take it very seriously on college campuses. I mean, we publish story after story, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. It never ends. There's never a dull moment. I mean, the insanity keeps us in business. So uh, they're totally serious. <laughs> they see everything through the lens of race, gender, and sexuality. Um, and that's why big buildings are sexist and black holes are racist. Do you think they're learning this on the college campus, or is this just the finishing school? Are they walking into college campus already with kind of a America sucks attitude? You know, um, I think they are learning this on college campuses because the professors have an agenda, right? They don't want to educate and give the kids both sides. They give them one set of reading lists, one set of instructions, um, the way they frame their questions, frame their tests, all indicate that um, they want the students to come out with a leftist mindset. So it's a kind of like a training ground for future Democratic voters. Okay. Help me understand the mentality of the modern college student, because aren't young people supposed to be rebellious? I mean, yeah, their professors are pushing this, but I never agreed with anything my professors had to say. I thought they were all idiots, and I, that's fairly normal. At least I thought it was for young people. 
You know, uh, the the cool kids, the counter-revolutionaries are the conservatives now. I mean, they're the ones that are fighting the power and um, speaking the truth and standing up to the bullies. So it's actually kind of fun and edgy to be a conservative on campus nowadays. Um, because if you're part of the left uh, narrative mentality, then you are the uh, majority on campus and nobody is trying to shut you down, uh, bully you, you know, cyber bully you, call you all sorts of names. So the conservative kids are the ones, you know, fighting the good fight out there and being the edgy, you know, sort of radicals that aren't going to take it anymore. Jennifer Cabani, thank you so much. Absolutely. We got Charles Love coming up. Hang on. Who has the like, ideal skin? Like most that you would want to have, or like, I don't know, nice skin you'd want to have, or you'd want to bring home, you know, like if you were. We're, pick, we're, we're dating someone and you brought them home to your parents and like you'd have different conversations about each one of their skin. Imagine they were the exact same person. They looked the same, but you'd have different conversations about their skin. Who would have the ideal skin? And this is not for me personally? No, not for you. Okay. I mean, because I would probably give a different answer than... No, no, no. Give me the average. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Um... I mean, there's a lot of white racist people, so... No, no, okay. it's not about racism, even. Just who has the ideal skin? I guess that they would want to have, I would say you. This guy? Yeah. Why not him? Because, um, I don't know, generally a lot of, like, uh, there's a lot of white people, at least in the United States, who prefer not to be, like, I guess, as pale. These people are so weird. That's Penn State University. Joining me now, one of my favorite people to talk to about this stuff is Charles Love. He is the executive director of Seeking Educational Excellence. Charles, on top of all the cultural Marxist garbage, which I'm sure we're going to go into, does that professor not realize how creepy and weird that is? <laughs> um, I don't think so. I, that, that, I haven't seen that video. That, is, um, that was fun. That was fun to watch. <laughs> and look i think i speak for most guys anywhere where the ideal skin color is whichever one is the hottest but that's just me all right charles uh universities out there they're a disaster i have opened the show telling parents be very careful if you're going to send your kids to these places and in fact i wouldn't send them unless they had something specific they wanted to do like a specific reason to be there what's the charles love philosophy I think that's right. I mean, I got to be honest. The thing about that video that struck me, as bad as it was to teach that in the professor, we focus on that. I love the response. I love how hard it was for her to answer that question. Because you can see the duality, right? You can see her saying, well, I know what I prefer. I'm going to play like I don't, but I know what I prefer. But I can't really say that, right? Because then I'm the racist I hate. So uh, is it the person? Is it if I'm somebody else or if it's me? You know, that was even funny, just how it proves that it's a waste of time. But you're right. It's like a cult. And you can't really fix it unless the people in the cult get out of the cult. Because the cult leaders are benefiting from it, right? So they're not going to go away. So the child's love approach would be similar to what you said. I think that you don't go unless you're studying the hard sciences. You need to 
transfer if you have to when you get that in your classes. And when you leave these universities, you need to tell them why. You say, I'm leaving because X. Two other things. You need to push the people who shouldn't be going because that's not what they want to do and make it okay and comfortable for people not to go if that's not what they want to do. And lastly, if you went to these colleges 5, 10, 15 years ago and somehow you're successful now, don't give them money. You're feeding the beast. Stop giving your alumni money. Charles, something that I find very odd is I think, I mean, obviously there's always going to be scumbags like Al Sharpton out there, but so much of this garbage is coming from people like that professor, white dudes. What does the white dude get out of promoting this weirdness, this this nonsense? The, lots of these people, most of these people, I would venture to say, are white. Why? What am I missing? All right, there's a formula there. They get something, they get the only thing they need. In, in, in the age of white fragility and white privilege and whites have everything and we poor minorities have nothing, what else could they need, right? It's like the wealthy person, right? You got the money, you got the mansion, you got the cute girl, you got the car. What else do I need, right? So the only thing they need is that, you know, superiority feel, feeling that they're helping the others and that they're doing good and they're special. So what they get from it is they get to say, look how good I am. I saved the puppy. Look how good I am. I, I, I'm woke. I did this, which is why it's so hard because they don't actually believe it. There are some, okay, there are people like you mentioned Al Sharpton. I always say this. There are people out there who are grifters. They're on the grift. But I don't think that's the majority of these people. And there's people out there who are who truly believe it. That's the segment. But the vast majority of these so-called woke people in the middle, they don't believe it. And they're not grifters. They're doing it because of what they can get from it. Other people do things. You steal because you want to get money. They do this because there's going to be something, some pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. They do it because people will look at them and give them little soft claps like, oh, you're a good white person. You're good. What's going to happen is going to backfire on them because there will be no good white people. You know, you know what it sounds like to me, Charles? You know what this sounds like to me? This sounds like the actor or athlete or whatever, and I realize there are a lot of great foundations out there, but they start the Jesse Kelly is Awesome Foundation so they can be pictured giving back just to check that final box and be you know, seen as a good person on top of wealthy. That's what it sounds like to me. One of those fake charities that makes the person who starts it look really good. Right. It's that. It's... Um you know, you use actors as an example. It's a great example. We've been told many, many times, you know, from a psychological standpoint, that people who come in in money, lottery winners, athletes, actors, they feel, you know, like, hey, I didn't really deserve this. All I did, I'm a pretty face. Or because I can run faster than anybody else, I was able to leave other poor people behind and become rich. So they kind of feel bad about it. And this is their way to make themselves feel better. You know, so I'm the rapper. I still, you know, I'm, I'm you know, making it rain in the club and I'm buying the most expensive car in the world because I can do it. So yeah, I can give a little money back and I can, you know, go through the motions like I'm, doing good doesn't matter if it actually works doesn't matter if it helps i'm going through the motions i feel better and that's what matters charles the 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 hot topic right now is critical race theory and obviously i know you're not a fan you know i'm not a fan but i've been arguing with people or at least trying to put the information out there yeah it, it's good we should oppose it that's fine but this is, this is just a branch of this whole cultural Marxist machine. And critical race theory isn't the root. It's just a branch of it. All the feminist stuff and the climate change stuff and the LGBT. It's all from the same tree. It's all the same disgusting, destroy America cultural Marxist tree. 
You can swat away critical race theory, and you should, but don't think that's the root. Oh, 100%. And the other problem is, you know, I'm a solutions guy. So I say as yeah. simple as this. Forget about what name they put on it. Forget about what. Now, we know it's immoral, it's unfair, and it's racist. That's true. We can get into that debate. But the bottom line is two things. We need to focus on two things. Why do we think they're trying to tear down the country and try to be fair as hard as it is? Okay, America's bad. That's why they want to destroy it. Fine. You're still going to have people. You're still going to have people with my skin color and your skin color. So we tear down America and we're going to build up. You go to them. This is what we should do. Go to one of your wokies and say, America's gone. You have the keys. Build your own country. Make it perfect. Then what will they do? They're going to realize what they're doing won't work. So when I have people on on the left and people like this, I don't debate about the past of America and all that. I just say, okay, what do you want? In your perfect um, utopia, are there still black people? Because if human nature is still to treat people differently, you didn't solve that problem. So you just tore down the greatest country in, in, the, in the history of the world to solve a problem you haven't solved. So from that st standpoint, it makes absolutely no sense. Like go back to the colleges. The colleges are going through these motions saying we need diversity. But whatever, they never say what's going to happen when we raise the percentage of blacks in the school. And then you talk about who it hurts. I was just talking about this on another interview. It hurts the very people they claim they want to help because either, you know, you get a kid from a smart kid. So we, we let's not get into the sense where we act like these kids are dumb. Above average student, you know, 1150 on the SAT, a good student. But instead of going to Michigan or North Carolina, you, because he's black, well, that's what the white kid would do. Because he's black, you send him to Harvard. So now he's not competing with the other people who got 1100, he's competing with the 1600s and all the valedictorians. So when he struggles, he's not going to say, man, I came to the wrong school, let me transfer to North Carolina. He's not gonna do that. He's going to drop out and say, I'm dumb. So you didn't help him. You made what could have been a college graduate and a successful person bitter and drop out and you created, you brought blacks in and all you did was create a radical. So now he's at all the BLM marches because he said, nothing's wrong with me. You know, Harvard was racist and they graded in a racist way. And that's why I feel. So you didn't help anybody. Charles, setting aside the, the dollars, you know, there everybody, every movement has dollars who just blindly follow along. Setting them aside, psychologize for me the greatest difference between these woke leftists and you know somebody like you what is the real mental makeup difference are we talking parenting is this a belief in god is it a a, a view of yourself versus the world what, what is it i wish it was those things as complicated as they are they'd be better i don't think it is i think is you know decades of indoctrination so they believe what they what they hear rather than what they feel. I mean, think about it. I know, I'm sure you know, I know more than you, but you probably know some people like this, upper middle class blacks who's successful and went to great schools, they'd have great jobs, and they still going around saying the country's against them. You ask them when was the last time something happened to them, they can't think of anything because they don't realize it. I have one, two houses down for me. Right, they can't, pair it, they can't pair it back to you. Why? Because they don't think that deeply. But if it comes down to it, it's because the movies and the media and TV told them that's what happened. And if I hear every black man is being shot every day, I'm going to believe it. But but if you talk about the things that you thought might be the problem, they were raised in two-parent homes. They have a belief in God. These are There are Christians out there who say they're following the Bible and they're black and they're successful or they're white and they're Christians and they still do this. So it's not the upbringing. That's, if it was 
those kind of things, we can train that out of them. It's because they're by when Lena Dunham or Julianne Moore or these Hollywood elites or LeBron James tells them. So when LeBron James says all black people are being hunted, the black man who believes him, who's never felt hunted before, starts to believe it. That's why it's so hard to break. Man, we got a mountain to climb. Charles, thank you so much for what you do. I appreciate you, man. Uh, great to be back. Thank you. Look, we got a mountain to climb. Got to climb it one step at a time. We'll be back. We need more lawyers. And boy, did I never, ever, ever think I would say those words in my life. But the truth is, in all seriousness, the right needs more lawyers. We need more legal foundations because so many of these fights are taking place in the courts. And we ignore that part or we roll our eyes and we talk about it. These guys, they need our support. Joining me now is Kimberly Herman. She's with the Southeastern Legal Foundation, and they're out there taking on cases you really, really want them to win. First of all, Kimberly, describe what you do before we get into some of these cases. Yeah, so um, Southeastern Legal Foundation is actually one of the country's oldest uh, conservative public interest law firms. And Quite frankly, when the government infringes on your constitutional rights, we step in pro bono and we sue them and we uh, we take cases to the U.S. Supreme Court and we win them. Kimberly, just just want to touch on this one more time here. You don't make money because it's pro bono. So you rely on the donations of others. I'm assuming how are those donations coming in? And I'm asking this question for a reason, because I consistently hear from these groups like yours on the right who do good work, that our donors are not like the communist donors. They pour money into theirs and we don't. Yeah, um, people can donate to us on our website, slfliberty.org. Um, we're a 501c3, and um, we, we appreciate that. All right, Kimberly, now let me ask you, what's going on with the University of Oklahoma and going after conservative students? And I, I think people will be shocked by this because, you know, Oklahoma, you're thinking America's heartland, but uh, apparently not. What happened in Oklahoma, it actually kind of shocked us too, to be perfectly honest, um, because we thought the same thing, but no college and no university right now is immune to the, the wokeism culture that is happening. So several years ago, conservative students um, at Oklahoma started to get harassed. Uh, they were spat on as they were walking to campus. Uh, I mean, whether they were walking to class on their college campus, um, they were trying to be silenced by the other students. And when that didn't work, student government went into action. And the Student Government Association tried to stop Turning Point USA from being able to bring Ann Coulter onto campus. They went to such great lengths as to bring in Antifa and to have Antifa ready to come in, protest, stop the event. They were threatening to throw things at Ann Coulter. They were threatening violence. And fortunately, uh, Turning Point is smart. And they made sure that they had a student on the Student Government Association. She saw all of this firsthand. They called us. We were able to get involved, called the school administration, sent them letters. And the school administration, to their credit, came out and said, you're right. Turning Point has every right to be on our campus. We are gonna protect their free speech. We're gonna protect the event. And the event ended up going off flawlessly. They had a huge turnout for it. Um, and the Student Government Association was put in their place as they should be. 
Okay. Why, why do universities think they can get away with these kinds of things, or are they getting away with these kinds of things? I guess that's what floors me. You're bringing in Antifa, you're bringing in a communist street thug group to try to be your armed enforcement arm, you're spitting on people. Are they getting away with this across the country? They have been getting away with it for, for honestly, for 10, 15 years. Um, we started our 1A project here at Southeastern Legal Foundation about seven years ago, specifically to address this problem, because we were hearing from time and time again from students that they needed legal representation. Going to their school administration wasn't enough, and there were no students helping them. Conservative students on campus are being shut down from their administrators, their faculty, their peers. Uh, what happened at Oklahoma is actually quite unusual in the fact that the administration came to uh, to their rescue, if you will, and they came out so strongly to say, Turning Point will not be kicked off of this campus. We have other places uh, where we represent students like East Carolina University this past year, and they actually used the COVID restrictions to silence conservative students. So what we had there was we have a turning point chapter that wants to have a meeting. They simply want to have six to 10 students to meet uh, together in a circle outside. They are shut down. When down the street, we have the vice chancellor of the university protesting. Uh, there's no other word for it. Protesting, marching with Black Lives Matter, unmasked, and really promoting students to violate COVID restrictions, yet using it to silence conservative students. Kimberly, on a macro level, are you seeing this is getting worse or are we just seeing more of it because this is the information age, everyone has Twitter and Facebook and we have more information? Is it, is it markedly worse now than it was even 10 years ago or we just know more? I don't think it's uh, getting any better, right? It's definitely not where it was back you know, 20 plus years ago when I was on a college campus. Um, it's an entirely different world. We train students, we work with them, and we, we, get, we really get hands-on with these students um, in roundtable discussions to work through their policies. And each year we expect it to get better. It just morphs. So one year it's the administrator silencing them. The next year it's the boards of trustee. The next year it's the students. And they have all these new ways that they can use to silence each other. Um, like you said, Twitter, Facebook. Um, when they're back on campus this fall, we are ready to really, I mean, step in. We've got several lawsuits teed up that we'll be filing this fall um, because these schools just won't back down. They just don't want conservative students talking. Are, are, do you notice it's worse at elite level universities? And I ask this for this reason. I, I consider it to be more damaging that Harvard and Yale and Cornell and these kind of schools are nutballs. I think that's more damaging than, you know, your favorite SEC football school. I, I just do because Go they're dogs. the ones producing <laughs> the CEO. They're the ones producing the CEOs and the senators and things like that. Is it worse on these elite campuses? Um, it, it's it's worse in some ways. Um, a lot of them are private schools. And so when we're talking about the elite private schools, it's worse because they can get away with it in a way that our public universities can't. Um, right, our public universities, our public colleges, K through 12, they're arms of the government. So the constitution unequivocally applies to them and they cannot infringe on students' rights. With private schools, 
Um, we have to look at the student handbooks, we have to look at private contracts and go into a whole different area of law. Um, and so they know that they can get away with a little bit more, unfortunately, but this is just as prevalent on our SEC college campuses. We've had to step in right down the street here, even at UGA, um, as it is at your elite Harvards and Yales and Princetons. Good grief. Okay, what, what's a parent supposed to do these days, Kimberly? Well, let's say their kid wants to go to school, gets into a school, has something they want to do. How does a parent protect their child? We have to start educating them at a young age, and it's really challenging right now with where we are with our public school system. And I think that's why we've seen the, the flight um, and the support for school choice right now. But it is really, a, parents have to be involved. You have to see what your kids are being taught at a K through 12 level, and then give them the tools that they can have to find groups like quite frankly, like Southeastern Legal Foundation, where we can help train these students on what their First Amendment rights are and how they can fight for them. That's really our goal, right? We're a litigation shop, so we're here to sue when we need to sue. But with the First Amendment, we want to give these students the tools that when they're out in the workplace and they graduate and they leave these college campuses, they can continue to be champions for the Constitution. Kimberly, what are you doing about critical race theory? I'm assuming something. Yeah, we actually filed a huge lawsuit last week um, on behalf of a drama teacher in Evanston, Illinois. She filed her lawsuit because the district there is discriminating against all of its students and all of its teachers through actions like segregation. They actually have mandatory segregation in teacher trainings that they also do in the school classrooms. They have privilege walks, which have become uh, quite popular. And, and when you look at them, they've gone viral out there. They have taken us back 70 years into the past where we um, have now erased the civil rights movement, according to them, and we need to look only at the color of skin. So we filed that federal lawsuit and um, we are in for the fight, but we're ready for it. Kimberly Herman, give out your website again in case people want to support this great effort. Yeah, it's slfliberty.org. slfliberty.org. Kimberly, thank you so much. Thank you. Coming up next, my final thoughts, and I have a few. Hang on. I know you love your kids. I'm a terrible person, and I love my kids. Be careful with them. Be careful where you send them when they're 18. You don't have to be a slave to tradition. Just because your parents told you and their parents told them that going to college is what you have to do to, to earn a living and get a good job, that is a lie. That is a flat out lie. No, you don't. Maybe you have to go to college because you have to get a degree in a certain field where you want to enter, but these places are dangerous. Your child now is as in danger on a college campus as they are in the bad part of a big city after midnight. That is the truth. I know you love them. Set aside tradition and be careful. Don't send your child off to that village who hates you to be educated by people who hate you. We have to stop doing this. We have to break the college stranglehold on our young people and the parents who tell them you have to go. All right. It's been a great show tonight. We are not going to stop. I'll see you again.